You are Locked On SEC, your daily podcast on the Southeastern Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's happening, everybody? Welcome into Locked On SEC. Great to have you guys along. Today's show is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. On today's show, Alabama held their second pro day yesterday, and all eyes were on Mac Jones. We'll uh, discuss what some of the scouts are saying about him. Also, Texas A&M held their pro day yesterday. A lot of focus on quarterback Kellen Mond. We'll catch up with our buddy Cole Thompson of Locked On Aggies, get his thoughts on the Texas A&M Aggies and what to expect from them this fall. And news out of Georgia, not great. Get another experienced wide receiver going down with an injury. We'll discuss that in just a moment. I am Chris Gordy. Be sure to follow Locked on SEC for free wherever you get your podcasts. You'll get the latest episode of this podcast as soon as it comes out each and every day. All right, let's jump into it. Let's go around the conference. Boots out to the right. Makes the handoff. Around the conference. And we start with that news out of Georgia exactly one week after star receiver George Pickens tore his ACL at practice. Fellow receiver Jermaine Burton had to be carted off the field off the field also with a knee injury. Mike Griffith of DogNation.com reports it was a hyper-extended knee, but the severity and any potential further damage currently unknown at this time. The injury um According to sources, they did confirm it was a hyperextended knee. They don't know what the ligament damage was. The team did not immediately release any news on Burton, and head coach Kirby Smart isn't scheduled to address the media until after Saturday's scrimmage. But this much is known. Jermaine Burton is one of the players Georgia can least afford to lose right now, especially with the loss of George Pickens. The good news is the Bulldogs do still have depth. There are 11 receivers on scholarship, uh, including the injured players. But, man, that is a a lot of experience if they lose Jermaine Burton on top of George Pickens. So uh, cross your fingers if you're a Bulldogs fan and hope for the best news. And we'll continue to update you as we get more information. But not good news at all out of Georgia. JT Daniels must be sitting there going, what is going on? All my weapons going down. Over at Alabama, as I mentioned, they held their second pro day yesterday. Only Alabama holds two pro days because they have so much, uh, so many, uh, ta- so much talent coming out in the draft. But uh, tons of NFL personnel were on hand in attendance. Kyle Shanahan from the 49ers, Bill Belichick, among others. But all eyes were on were on tied quarterback Mac Jones. And despite speculation that he would not participate in the pro day. Dealing with a hand injury, Heisman Trophy winner Devontae Smith actually ran routes in Tuscaloosa on Tuesday. He and Jalen Waddle not going through much of anything, but uh, Devontae Smith did have his injured finger taped, which allowed him to uh, work out in front of the NFL scouts. But NFL Network's James Palmer caught up with Mac Jones to talk a little bit about his pro day performance. Alabama quarterback Mac Jones after his second throwing session. Now, what I want to start this off with is you were throwing a ball, you rolled out to your left, throw deep downfield, hit a strike, and we heard you mutter the words, but I'm a statue. 
Yeah. I'm assuming that was the goal of yeah. today's pro day. Yeah. I just wanted to show that I do that all the time in practice and in the game. I just play in the framework of the offense, so I'm not going to roll out unless I have to. But I just wanted to show that I'm not a statue and that I can make plays and I'll be able to do that hopefully at the next level. Obviously, it's not going to be a clean pocket with five perfect blockers, so I'm going to have to move a little bit, but you also don't want to ruin the structure of the play. So I just wanted to show that on a few, even on my creative footwork and stuff. But at the end of the day, I'm a pocket passer. And I'm just going to drop back and let it rip. One other note uh, from the pro day in the background of many of Mac Jones's interviews, uh, Landon Dickerson, uh, the center who is coming back from that injury, was seen in the background doing cartwheels. So Landon Dickerson kind of showing off a little bit of uh, his recovery from his injury. <laughs> He's uh, ready to go. But, uh, yeah, it was interesting to see. Uh, Alabama expected to have a lot of these guys go high in this year's draft. So we'll continue to pass along what some of the scouts and people are saying. Mac Jones did have a couple of overthrows, which uh, some people acted negatively towards. But Mac still expected to go in the first round of this year's draft, along with Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddell, possibly Najee Harris. The list goes on and on and on. Uh, Quick note on Alabama football of the guys that are still on the football team. Uh, Nick Saban talked with the media yesterday, was asked for his thoughts on Bryce Young as they approach the halfway mark of spring practice. Saban said his new quarterback, Bryce, has, quote, made a lot of improvement. I think he's a lot more confident. I think he's doing very well. We wanted to play Bryce a lot more than he got to play last year. I think the situation and the circumstances, playing 10 SEC games, having the SEC title game, the playoffs, we didn't get as much time to do that as we have in the past with developing quarterbacks. So Bryce Young, step up to the plate, young man. You are the next guy at quarterback for Alabama. Can you repeat what Mac Jones and Tua, success they were able to have there? We will see. In women's basketball, top-seeded South Carolina beat Texas last night 62-34. to How's that for defense? So the Gamecocks and head coach Don Staley, they are headed back to the Final Four once again. Gamecocks will play in the Final Four on Friday evening, taking on uh, Louisville as they advance to the title game. And if they uh, win that one, they will face the winner of Arizona-UConn in the championship game. Speaking of South Carolina, the Gamecocks football team announced, quote, all 9,000 tickets that were available for this year's Garnet and Black Spring football game coming up on April 24th at Williams-Brice Stadium have been distributed. So what does that mean? Well, it's a sellout, according to the tickets that were allotted. So, South Carolina, got a lot of fans excited for year one of Shane Beamer and uh, to see what they can do in their spring game. But all 9,000 tickets were distributed. Over at Kentucky, for the third time in his college career, former quarterback Terry Wilson has found a new home via transfer. The former starting quarterback for the Wildcats ended his time in Lexington with a 17-8 and career record. Became the first Wildcat to have 3,000 passing yards and 1,000 rushing yards during his time with the program. But now, according to Yahoo Sports, Terry Wilson will be finishing his college career at New Mexico. Wilson made the decision to leave Kentucky following the conclusion of last season. He was a senior leader for their team. But thanks to the NCAA giving all players the option to have a free season of eligibility, Wilson has one more season remaining to play. He originally came to Kentucky from Garden City Community College after signing with Oregon out of high school, and now he will go to New Mexico to finish off his college career. Over in Knoxville, Jeremy Banks is sidelined at the start of their spring practices. He is awaiting clearance from Josh Heupel and UT's medical staff to return, but the Vols 
already extremely extremely thin at the linebacker spot due to transfers and suspensions. But Jeremy Banks, Tennessee's top returning linebacker with 38 career tackles. He's a guy Tennessee cannot afford to lose, so hopefully uh, he gets back into action for them very soon. Over to LSU, head coach Ed Ogeron talking yesterday said their incoming top freshman Mason Smith is already their best pass rusher inside. Ogeron said he can definitely push for a starting position at defensive tackle. That would be very interesting if LSU starts him from day one on that defensive line because they had a lot of talented guys come back to that program for another year. In college hoops, or SEC hoops, after failing to see the court this season, Ed Chang probably doesn't think much is going to change in Columbia at Missouri. So uh, Chang is entering the transfer portal. He came to Mizzou from Salt Lake Community College where he averaged eight points, four rebounds a game. He did not see any action for Mizzou last year. But following this news, Missouri now has four players that have entered the portal since they were eliminated in the first round of the NCAA tournament. Xavier Pinson, followed by sophomore Parker Braun, senior Mark Smith, and now Ed Chang, four players from the Missouri team entering the portal. On Monday, Mississippi State, they reportedly lost a backup forward to the portal, freshman forward Keandre Montgomery. He has entered the portal and looking for other options for next season. And over at Florida, Mike White has now lost a fourth player to the portal just this offseason as Omar Payne has made the decision to enter his name into the portal. Florida also lost Trey Mann as he declared early for the NBA draft. He was suspended for Florida's first-round appearance in the uh, NCAA tournament after he hit Tennessee's John Fulkerson with an elbow and was ejected from that game. Sad when that's the thing you're known for most in your time uh, at Florida so far. Uh, wrapping things up, the USA Today coaches poll is out in baseball. Vanderbilt remains number one in the nation, not far behind them. Arkansas at number two, Ole Miss number three, Tennessee number six, Mississippi State number seven. That gives the SEC half of the top ten teams in the nation this week. And it's even better in softball as their top 25 poll came out. Alabama's fourth, uh, Florida fifth, Kentucky seventh, Arkansas eleventh. Basically, ten of the top 25 teams in softball all come from the SEC. LSU comes in at 15, Tennessee 18, Mizzou 20, Georgia 23, A&M 24, and Auburn 25. That is ridiculous. We probably could have saved more time just telling you who wasn't ranked from the SEC in the top 25 in softball, but we'll get more to some baseball and softball conversation as the uh, seasons roll along here in the coming weeks. When we return, we're going to catch up with Cole Thompson, host of Locked on Aggies, talk some Texas A&M football and pro day with him. We've been telling you guys about Built Bar, the best-tasting protein bar on the market for a while now. Built Bar is the low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, amazing-tasting protein bar with 100% chocolate on all of their bars. Now is the time to find out which Built Bar is the best. It is Built Bar Madness, and today's matchup is a pretty good one. It is Mint Brownie taking on Coconut Brownie Chunk. If you guys want to get in and vote on that, you could head to BuiltBar.com or Bar underscore Built on Twitter. I'm actually looking at it right now. BuiltBar.com slash pages slash brackets, and they've got it down to the final four. On one side, we've got the Cookies and Cream versus Cookie Dough Chunk. And today's matchup is mint brownie versus coconut brownie chunk. Look, I got to be honest. I have all four. I've had all four of these, and they're all really, really good. But cookies and cream is still tops in my book. 
mint brownie, not far behind. Can't go wrong with two of the classics, the the two chunks, relatively new. But uh, anyway, head to builtbar.com if you guys want to vote on that, or you can check it out on Twitter, bar underscore built. That is Bill Barr's Twitter account, and you can vote there. Remember to use the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order. That is LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order at BillBar.com. And check back to see who won today's matchup and who will become the best-tasting protein bar. We're all along here, Locked On SEC. want to remind you guys, get more of the sports news you need in less time with Locked On Today. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. There's been so much talk in the last 24 hours with Alabama having their second pro day. Mac Jones out there throwing. Devontae Smith, was he going to run? Was he not? Jalen Waddle, all this talk about Alabama, Alabama, and rightfully so, and completely just uh, slipped through the cracks that Texas A&M had their pro day yesterday and Kellen Bond out there throwing and trying to impress the uh, NFL scouts. Join us now to talk all things Aggies and the SEC. Our buddy Cole Thompson, host of Locked on Aggies. Cole, uh, how do you feel being a little brother of the SEC, Texas A&M apparently? You know, it's actually really funny because I'm an Alabama alum and I cover Texas A&M, so it's like, once again, I'm in the middle of a conversation of, all right, what side do I, what side do I have to lean? And today was it today? Okay, you got to go with it with A&M. And you're trying to find all this news on what's going on. And now, now it's Alabama. And then, you know what? It got even better because Ohio State also decided to have their pro day. So nobody from A&M got mentioned. <laughs> well, let's start there because uh, Kellen Mond, look, he's, you know, with all the questions at the quarterback spot, you know, the past couple years at A&M, we knew the, the running back spot had finally, got, you know, finally gotten settled with uh, Jimbo coming over. You know, he's always going to have stro- strong tight end play and all that. And, you know, this was the year we thought Kellen Mond could take that next big leap. And, you know, he did show some signs. I don't want to criticize him because uh, A&M did have a fantastic season. It just it could have been an even better season had Kellen Mond taken that monster leap and, you know, I, I said this towards the end of the year when they were making a case to get into the playoff. You know, they had their chance at a big revenge game for LSU, and, you know, they beat them whatever it was, 20-7 to 7 or whatever. But I said, man, if they would have won 56-7, to 7, I think A&M could have put that exclamation point, would have impressed the uh, playoff committee, and maybe could have gotten into the playoff over Ohio State. But all that is water under the bridge. Uh, what did you make of Kellen Mond's performance, and what's kind of the buzz right now on him going into the draft? Where, where do scouts see him? So there really is probably no anomaly bigger than Kellen Mond for all these quarterbacks because of you kind of have a feeling of what Kyle Trask is feeling. You kind of also understand where guys like these Davis Mills and the, uh, you know, the Jamie Newmans, the kind of unknown are. You really have no idea what Kellen Mond is. And the problem with that is he's a four-year starter at a Power 5 program who is really rising up the charts in the SEC with A&M. And you know, I do agree with you on a lot of what you said because of going into the season, the biggest thing for, for Mond was to show he could take that next leap. 
Well, it's really hard to take that next leap when you are the veteran working with a bunch of young, inexperienced wide receivers because of all of your four main targets are gone. Move a nice this to the backfield as an extra running back. Jamon Osmond opts out. Both Courtney Davis and Kendrick Rogers has the NFL. You really are relying heavily on Jalen Weidemeyer, your tight end, to be that number one threat. And nobody at that wide receiver role really took that next leap to be wide receiver number one for 2020 or even beyond that. And when Caleb Chapman went down, that really took away that vertical threat that I think Kellen Mond has that most quarterbacks are trying to show they have at the next level. Again, with that, with that LSU game, they were able to run the ball very well against the Tigers front seven. But you want to see them pass. Now, part of that is based off of Bond, who was very inconsistent. I think he threw for under 110 yards in the day. But it also plays with receivers. Receivers have to take a next step forward. And while the rushing attack was good and they did get the win, when you don't have a great game against your uh, quote-unquote rival team, I think it does go into a little bit of the factor of what you're looking at at quarterback. But there were so many times this season where Kellen Mond looked like he was an NFL-style quarterback. His cadence got better. His pocket awareness got better. His decision-making got better. He waited longer to stay in the pocket before bailing on, you know, first initial read. And he was forced with Osmond opting out to start looking past his initial first guy. But the problem is it was glimpses. And you don't have glimpses in your four. You need to be consistent in your four. So I do think that when you look at his draft stock right now, we're talking about a guy who could fall anywhere between, I would say, mid-second round, based off intangibles, based off what he showed in his pro day today, to probably a day three pick with high upside value as a premier backup, potentially low-end starter throughout his early career. And it's all going to be based off a team fit. I think teams that want him either to be that vertical presence downfield or in an RPO-heavy system that will allow him to just quick hit receivers that have established receivers already on the roster would make a ton of sense for him. If he has to go to a system where he has to be basically what he was this year, it's going to be a massive upgrade for him because the NFL is, is faster, they're stronger, offensive lines don't move as well against you know these weaker defensive lines that you saw in the SEC. And he's going to have to step it up to another level. And I'm not sure that after this season, teams that don't have that established area are going to be interested in getting a guy like him. Yeah, I was reading one article the other day, and, you know, because I was like, who would be a good NFL comp for a Kellen Mond? And one I saw that was very interesting. Now, when I say the name, don't laugh because it's the guy you think of now. you got to rewind and think about the guy when he was coming out. But – one article I read said Dak Prescott, and you remember Dak was a fourth-round pick. He was a good passer at Mississippi State and, and all that, but, like, no one – like, there were – I feel like the vibe on Dak when he was coming out, people were like, yeah, maybe he could play in the NFL. I don't know. Maybe, you know, maybe mid to late-round pick, maybe a backup quarterback lifetime. I feel like Kellen Mond maybe fits that same mold where you're like, yeah, I don't know, maybe mid, mid-round mid pick, maybe backup quarterback in the league, but, like – is that crazy to say that Kellen could be the next Dak? I don't think it's crazy. My comp for him would be more so Jacoby Brissett. A little bit bigger, a little bit stronger arm, a little bit more fluid in the pocket, has the ability to take balls downfield, but isn't afraid to also hit the, the intermediate side of the, of the areas. But Prescott is a good deal. I mean, he was a mobile quarterback who got better 
when he got to an NFL system. And it really was based off the NFL system that he went to. The Dallas Cowboys were a great fit. An awesome offensive line, some weapons that were very talented, a veteran receiving core that even though it was, you know, on the back end with Jason Witten and, you know, eventually Des Bryant, they had that camaraderie already there. But they also had a guy by the name of Ezekiel Elliott as a running back that took the pressure off Prescott being that number one X factor his first year. I think if you have to look at a team like maybe the Washington football team, who added a ton of pieces on the offensive line, uh, on the offensive side of the ball. They went and got faster at running back with Antonio Gibson. They have two, I would say, top 40 receivers in Curtis Samuel now and Terry McLaurin, who is continuing to rise up the ranks is probably a top 20, maybe top 15 receiver in the game. And I do think that this they will be adding at least one more receiver at some point in this draft. I also think that they will be bolstering that offensive line. So they have the pieces for this offense to be really good. And I do like Scott Turner's system and how it works, where it's a lot of quick hits. It's a lot of get the ball out fast, let the offense do the work, let speed take over where you are just finding your target and hitting them in stride. And if, if Mont showed this season one thing is that he can find his target, he can be accurate, he can hit his target in stride, the problem is that that receiver has to do most of the work after the catch. A team like Washington would make a lot of sense. I think a team maybe like Minnesota in round four would have a guy like Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen. They're probably going to go out another receiver. They have Irv Smith, who's a flex tight end, very similar to what Dick Sternberger was, would be very much a good fit for a guy like Mon. But if he goes to a team that probably is going to rely heavily on him to be the passer and they want to go deep downfield, if he's called upon at any point early in his career, it's going to be very downhill, very fast. And the one thing you don't want to do with a young quarterback is give them a reason to not trust and be confident in themselves going into year two. Those cadences and those you know marks that are left in their rookie year will travel with them. And if they can't break that streak, their career is over before it really began. More with Cole Thompson right after this. Bet online, the fastest and easiest way to get it all in all your sports action. Football has been over for a while now. College basketball now winding down. The final four is set. Look, your bracket's probably been busted for a while now. If it's not already, might I interest you in getting in on the action at betonline.ag? It's got real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline's got you covered with all the news, scores, and odds. It is the best way to place your bets, and it is free to sign up. You can head to their website right now, do so on your mobile device, your tablet, your phone, whatever you have, and sign up today and you will receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit if you use the promo code LOCKEDON, that's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. Use the promo code LOCKEDON, get 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit at betonline.ag. And again, all of those games in action this weekend, the Final Four, place a little wager, make a little money and make them a little bit more intriguing to watch because your bracket is done. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Are you ready for the NFL Draft? Join Locked On NFL Draft host Trevor Sakema and Benjamin Solak as they give you the latest positional rankings and analysis on 2021 draft prospects with team-centric guests, mock drafts right around the corner. Follow the Locked On NFL Draft podcast on the Odyssey app, wherever you get your podcast. Continue our conversation with Cole Thompson, host of Locked on Aggies. And 
Cole, we were talking a little bit about A&M's Pro Day, and I want to kind of turn the page and start to look to spring ball because we know that uh, this is the time where all the SEC teams are in action, or most of them. Florida's basically done. They, they got started before everybody. But what is the buzz out of Texas A&M right now? We just got finished talking about Kellen Mond, and, you know, when the season ended, I, I've talked to a couple of Aggie friends who were telling me, you know, they were all hyped to see what Haynes King could do as a quarterback next year. But the last couple of weeks, it sounds like all the buzz has been Zach Calzada. What do you know about him and uh, what's going on there with that quarterback position? So I do think that those are going to be the two front runners. It's going to be either Calzada or it's going to be, you know, King. King was the number one pocket passing quarterback in the state of Texas, a top five pocket passing quarterback in the 2020 recruiting class. He's very fluid. Everything from his cadence, from his progression, his ability to read and react to his first, second, and third options being open and delivering a perfect strike was there at Longview. But Zach Calzada is exactly what I would say we would be thinking about with Max Jones at this point last year. He's been in the system. He's very accurate. He does enough. He, do, he, he understands the offense. High IQ type of player. And he knows what Daryl Dickey and Jimbo Fisher are looking for. And with the success we saw with Mac Jones, I think you're going to start looking at that way. Because if you can be a smart quarterback, find your rhythm with these receivers and find your way to bode in this offense, you're probably going to get at least a game to show why you are deserving of the starting role. I think the biggest storyline right now is who's going to be able to connect with these receivers. You're hoping that Demond Demas, the former five-star, is going to be able to step up as the true wide receiver one this year. You're hoping maybe... With uh, another year under his belt, Chase Lane can be that wide receiver too. And when Caleb Chapman comes back, he can be that vertical threat. You're hoping that you can run a 12-man personnel with Baylor Cup finally healthy, with Blake Smith finally healthy. But whoever connects with these receivers, because the receivers are going to be a little bit more veteran and the running backs are going to be a much more veteran group than we've ever seen before. Whichever one connects the best is likely going to get the starting call week one. And I do think that this will be a battle going all the way up until the Arkansas game in week four. By week four, either King or Calzada will be the guy. And I will not be shocked if it is Calzada. But if we're just going off production and upside alone, everything I've watched on King just screams he could be a very special talent for college station football. Yeah, it's it's interesting, and, and again, no disrespect to Kellen Mond, but you know when you talk to some people saying, you know, we felt like we could take this quarterback position to new heights, and obviously look at the track record of Jimbo Fisher, what he did at Florida State from Jameis Winston, to Christian Ponder, E.G. Manuel, he made all those guys first or you know first round or very high draft picks, and uh, you know obviously I think a lot of Aggie fans want to see that. What's the latest with Jalen Watermeyer? I know you know we heard a. Uh, Last week that he had an off-the-field freak accident where he cut his hand and will miss all of the spring. Um, he's a guy I assume we'll see, you know, first team, all SEC come the summertime and all that with all the preseason watch lists. But what's going on with him and what happened with his hand? So apparently he cut his hand. That's, that, that's what I've been told. That's, what I've been, that's what's been reported. He cut his hand and there's a tendon in his hand that if it is damaged could lead to you know, further damage that could hurt his playing career. So they need to make sure that he does not use his hands in any shape or form. That means blocking, that means catching, that means any type of tackling. It's just a precautionary at this point. You don't want to damage any of the nerves like we've seen in the past with players such as a Jake Butt or Jalen Smith 
that really not only hurts their draft value, but possibly ends their playing career. And Weidemeyer's playing career at this point has been nothing but stellar. I mean, this is a kid who was coming out of Dickinson High School, a three-star talent, and was the other tight end behind Baylor Cup, that five-star recruit that was a can't-miss prospect. And ever since he's came on the college station, he has been the consistent weapon of the offense when it comes to passing game. He always finds a way to get open. He's a good red zone threat. And I believe, honestly, he could have a Kyle Pitts resurgence-like year with one of these young quarterbacks. That's how talented he is as a route runner. He's great as an inline blocker. He does a fantastic job in the run blocking downfield. Everything you saw from Pitts and his breakout year, you could see with Weidemeyer. And the last thing you want to do is set him back, especially going into a prove-it season where a lot of scouts I've been talking to said he has an opportunity not only to be the front runner for the John Mackey Award, but possibly tight end one in the 2022 class. So I think this is all precautionary. Everything I've been told, he's going to make a full recovery. This is not something to really worry about. But it, he was to practice in a spring season where I do believe the tight end position is kind of set. And you really want to see who's going to be battling for, you know, tight end number two reps. Playing him would actually be a lot less beneficiary to what he can bring to the table next season. It's going to be very interesting. There's there's a couple of different things that I'm excited to see with, with the Aggies. Uh, like I said, Jalen Watermeyer, it starts with him. But this running game, I mean, we know how good – you know, the guys like Isaiah Spiller was, Anaya Smith we saw throughout the season was a nice complimentary back. But, man, later in the season, and particularly that, that bowl game against North Carolina, is it Devin A-Shane, A-Shane, however you say his name? Devon A-Shane. Devon A-Shane. My goodness, that kid looks as special as any of them. I mean, is is that what the Aggie fans are all psyched and hyped up about this season, is seeing this three-headed attack? I would say number six for six is going to become a trend on Twitter <laughs> sooner than later. This kid, he just set a record at a for the 200-meter dash. I mean, that's how fast he can move. And what I really like about this is Daryl Dickey now has options in the running game. And you have your big burly three-down back and Isaiah Spiller. You know what he brings. He's good in short yardage, but he's really got some great long speed that allows him to work well after, you know, the first and second line of defense against secondary players, you have your straight line speed, and that's A-chain. And, and we got a glimpse of it, you know, down in Miami of what we saw from him in the two touchdowns against the Tar Heels. But I'm going to be completely honest with you. Agent Zero, Anaya Smith, is going to be the Kadarius Tony breakout star of the SEC in 2021. This is a kid who can do it all. I mean, when I say I gush over players, I gush over Anaya Smith. He is so fluid in what he brings to this table as a pass catcher, as a runner. You can use him as a blocker. He's lined up at fullback. They've done a, a double a double running back set. He's in the lead blocker for Spiller at only 195 pounds. He does a great job as your lead receiver. He led the team in receiving yards last year. There's a big need. I think, in the NFL for gadget players. Guys like these Curtis Samuels and the future Rondell Moores and, and players of those of those capacities. And the Kadarius Tonys are going to be, you know, effective. But I do think that that's going to eventually fold its way down to the NFL. Well, I mean, the college level. But this already that guy. And to have that three-style approach for what your ever defenses ran, you know, against a next season is dangerous. So you can't just circle number 28. You have to circle number zero, 
and you have to circle number six because each one of them have a skill set that will make them dangerous enough in the open field that's going to lead to big-time points for A&M. Last thing for you, Cole, when we look at the schedule, I mean, is it is it that October 9th date hosting uh, Alabama? Is that the date, the game that's basically circled? And, uh, I mean, that's been the Achilles heel, the hump that the Aggies have not really been able to get over ever since that you know, first time where Johnny Manziel surprised everyone and beat Alabama. But, like, when I look at the schedule, I see a lot of very winnable games. It's just I think it comes down to that October 9th game against Bama. I've said on, on Lockdown Aggies multiple times, and I, I think I said about two weeks ago, that's your midway point. Do you want to be good or do you want to be great? Do you want to be great or do you want to be special? That game decides what is going to be the SEC West champion. I really think that what this defense is bringing back, especially they're only really losing, you know, uh, Buddy Johnson and Bobby Brown. They're both have replacements. Jaden Peavy's coming back. Andre White played very well. Aaron Hansford's coming back. They also are replacing a quarterback at Alabama. We don't know what Bryce Young is. We don't know what Hank King is. They're still the best two rosters in the SEC West. It comes down to this game. The winner of this game is going to be the representative of the SEC West. They're going to have the best shot to go to the SEC title game and, and win it all and represent the SEC in the college football playoff. If you want to be great, and more specifically, if you're Jimbo Fisher and want to show you're more than just a saving assistant, this is a game. It's a home game at Kyle Field. It's a game where you're coming off of your best overall finish since 1939. Show that you're there. Show that you're the reason that you're there. Show why you were hired to be the best option over Kevin Selman back in 2018. Make sure that Aggie fans know why you are the guy. It comes down to October 9th. This game is circled. It's scratched off. It's highlighted. It is going to be the SEC game of the year, and I cannot wait to watch it. Cole, I love it, man. Great stuff. I could talk to you for uh, for hours about all this, but uh, really appreciate the time, and uh, we'll have to talk again soon before uh, spring wrap, wraps up here. Anytime, Gordy. All right, thanks a lot. That's Cole Thompson. You can check him out on uh, Locked on Aggies, of course, uh, talking all things Texas A&M. Uh, we appreciate his time. That is going to do it for this edition of Locked On SEC. Remember to follow us wherever you get your podcasts. Here for you five days a week talking all things SEC football. Well, SEC sports. Football is kind of what we end up talking about 52 weeks out of the year. No disrespect. We've turned the page on uh, basketball. Get into some more uh, baseball talk as the uh, SEC season continues rolling on here and start to separate I always say separate the the men from the boys and uh, who's contenders and who's pretenders but it's like everybody's a contender in SEC baseball this season but uh, we'll get into more of that as the week goes along continue to talk on the pro days and spring football continuing on at many of the SEC schools I'm Chris Gordy we'll talk to you guys tomorrow right here on Locked on SEC